It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 23rd, 2015. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to join you tonight. Good to be with you tonight, and we're glad that you're here as well. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use, and they're filing in the chat room. Sign in there and chat with other listeners on a program I've been looking forward to for a long time. Okay, we've got an important program and a special guest with us tonight. But before we do that, Jacob, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Okay. Last weekend, we had a special series of lessons taught by Donnie Rader here at the College View Church right. on division within the churches of Christ, okay. things that have divided the churches of Christ over the last 50 years or so. Yes. Uh, and we've been announcing that, sort of advertising that for several weeks leading up to it. Well, we had a, good, a great Bible study weekend. Uh, and the reason I'm mentioning that now is that we have all that information up on the website. Yes. If you On our homepage, if you will look, there's a link to... Special Bible Study Series, we, and, and that will link you to last summer's yes. um, Community Bible Study on Homosexuality and this most recent Bible Study Series on Division Within the Churches of Christ. You can find the video, links to the video of the four lessons that were taught. You can find links to the audio, both uh, MP3 and WMA formats. <laughs> Uh, and you can get all of that information on the website. Click right beside the the picture of the Bible there. Yeah. For Bible study on the homepage. I get it. I get it. And uh, and then uh, you you got it. You can watch it. You can listen to it. You can download it if you want. Download it, and it, it needs to be listened to. And you said you might podcast some of those. I will. Lessons. I will. <coughs> Excuse me. I will podcast them. Need to you need to check it out. Yeah, he did a great job bringing in the historical aspect of it, which is very valuable in this study. Yeah, the history of the study was really interesting, and Donnie Rader's an excellent student of the history of these things. Uh, what's interesting is that the pattern repeats. Of course, we so often talk about history repeats itself, and we see the pattern repeating. It has already, and it appears to be continuing to repeat uh, And as, as various issues arise, some of the same Faulty attitudes toward Bible authority cause recurring division within the body of Christ. All right, so be on the homepage. It'll be in the podcast feed. You can check it out there. You definitely want to listen to that. We appreciated Donnie's uh, work, and you'll want to check it out. Okay. All right. You said we have a special uh, guest tonight, special study. We do. Yes. James, James Buchanan has joined us. James joined us about three years ago, and he was getting ready to embark on a uh, on a big trip, uh, moving his family to South Africa. And after three years, he's back and, and visiting family and friends and congregations. Uh, and James is here with us tonight. James, thanks for joining us on the program. It's good good to be with you all here again. Yeah. James, James often helped us on the virtual Bible study before he moved away and, and was a regular participant. Uh, of course, now I guess the time difference is... It's almost 12 hours, isn't it, or close to? It's uh, seven hours. Oh, it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. It's seven. So, yeah. But still, that puts us in the middle of the night if mm-hmm. you wanted to participate he live. He said, you know, when he left, he said, I'll join you if I ever get insomnia. But yeah. I guess you're sleeping well over there, James. You haven't joined us in three years. I, I, I don't get insomnia. Okay. When I'm done at the end of the day, I just drop. All right. <laughs> but we're glad to have James here. And and, and what, we, what we want to ask him about is all the... Uh, Wildlife that he sees yeah, in South Dan, Africa. Got any monkeys in your yard over there? <laughs> we, we, we we have monkeys. No, we were teasing, we were teasing about that before. We have not brought James here to talk about the uh, natural geography and the and all the uh, different flora and fauna of uh, South Africa. I'm sure it's a beautiful place. I've seen pictures and it is. Uh, but we really are interested in the subject of foreign evangelism. That's what James is involved in intensely. And uh, when he when we talked with him before he left, James, we, we talked about what you were anticipating and what kind of things you were uh, prepared to deal with. Of course, now you're a veteran, having spent three years at this, and so uh, a follow-up discussion we thought was in order. 
Well, uh, veteran is a, probably a strong word, but, um, yeah, I, we we went over there with the intention. We had certain works that we knew that we would participate in, such as doing tent meeting work and work with the local prison and uh, work with existing churches. And, and that that uh, part of the work has gone uh, pretty well as, as expected. Um, there, there have been things that have come up along the way that probably weren't as expected, but as far as the work that we are doing, uh, that that part of the work has gone. We, we're doing a lot of the work that we expected to do. So, uh, so if you, if you were just to say in in one statement, has it uh, fulfilled your expectations? Exceeded them? Is is the work more uh, uh, fulfilling than? Than you even anticipated? I think so. I, it's really exceeded my expectations. How many uh, how many people we find that are interested in in Bible study and interested in hearing more about the Word of God? Um, that that landscape you know, is different than in the United States. Then, well, you know, it is uh, in in some of the villages that we work in with uh, either such high unemployment or many of the men away in other cities uh, working. We often find people who are at home. And are interested in in a Bible study. So a lot a lot of our house to house teaching has has received a warm reception. What do you think are the components to that, and why are folks in South Africa more interested in hearing about the gospel than, say, Columbia, Tennessee? Well, I think part part one of the one of the things that that you find, I think, in South Africa, at least in the area that that we've been working in, is that. There, there's a lot of Bible teaching that we take for granted that you'll find, you know, whether you're whether you're a Christian or whether you're a member of a denomination. There are many things that you have you will have learned along the way from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, if we were talking to our denominational friends and we were, we were to ask them, you know, what do you know about the Sermon on the Mount? What do you know about the days of creation? Many of them they're going to have their hands around that pretty good. They're they, going to, they're they're going to know some of those yeah, things. You right. know, they've been taught, but that's not so here. There, there's been such prevalence of teaching of a, of a false, a completely false system. They they call they they pass as Christianity, but it, it doesn't resemble it in any way. It's uh, what, what's the roots of that, James? Where did that come from? I, I think. Um, one of the things we find a lot is is uh, the teaching on the prosperity gospel, so the health and wealth gospel. The more money that you give to a church, the more money you give to a preacher, God is going to bless you materially. God is going to make your life here on earth better than than it would have been otherwise. And you know that that's just, that's a lie. I mean, that's simply not true. And we have found many people who are tired of church being so expensive. I mean, they go to church. They're forced to come up to the front. They're forced to reveal how much money that they get a month, and the preacher tells them how much money to give. Mm. And we've met so many people who just they couldn't go to church anymore couldn't because they couldn't afford it. Too mm. expensive. Church was too expensive. Uh, I know one lady. She was told to give fifty percent. She came in. She, I was talking to her one day. She said, "You know, the preacher told us we have to give fifty percent of our monthly income next month," and she doesn't make that much money. So. What is she to do? She can't buy electricity, can't buy bread, can't buy, can't pay school fees. But the preacher gets half of what she receives. Are um, these are these people fairly poverty uh, uh, in, in con- poverty conditions? Pretty pretty much everybody that you have this chance to talk to. Many of them are. Uh, they, they struggle. I'll say uh, they're not starving. Uh, they have houses. They're not starving. They're able to pay school fees. They're they're not they're not. Uh, their their standard of living is not what we would expect even from the poorest person in America, but uh, they're they're able to uh, they're able to survive more than probably other other African countries. Well, that that would lead me to a qu- to a question. Then, do you think that a big difference in people's willingness to investigate the Bible and study with you and give consideration to the, to things that are found in the Word of God? We, we've often speculated that. The prosperity of America is a great hindrance to evangelism here. Do you think that 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 you see that being borne out in in the contrast between your past experiences in the United States trying to reach people with the gospel versus what you're doing now? It, it, it might be. I, I don't. I, I, it, it quite possibly could be, or that the people. It may. It may more be that because they're not at, at work, for example, and they are at home, that they have more time. To give an audience to hear the truth, mm-hmm. I, I I I don't know. I'm I'm not sure which way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if more people were unemployed and they're, thus they're just sitting at home, then would they 
be willing to give the gospel an audience. Are they, I'm not sure. Do they sense a void in their life? Do they sense a need for uh, for God? Yeah, um, absolutely. So so what's what's been missing, um, I'll give you two examples. I, t- I was talking to two ladies. One lady, she has two older children. Both of them have turned out to be drunks. She has a younger son that she's trying to reach. He's about 13 or 14 years old. And she recognizes that because she didn't know the truth when her ch- when she was raising her older children, and she, she's a widow, um, she uh, she missed out on some principles that she needed to teach them. She sees that now. Uh, and also she believed a lot of this false doctrine on the prosperity gospel and on false miracles. Mm-hmm. So she would buy the miracle water from, from pr- oh. false prophets like T.B. Joshua. He's a Nigerian false prophet. And uh, she took that she took that miracle water. She gave it to her own brother when he was sick, recommended that he not go to the hospital. Take he the miracle died. water. He died. Mm. He died. Mm. His blood is on her hands, at least as far as the way she looks at it, yeah. because she led him down a false road. Mm. So now she sees this, and she's very passionate about that, particularly, and very passionate about the truth. And this, this story is repeated again and again. When we go to somebody and we say, look, we have no authority but the word of God. I'm not an authority. I'm a preacher, yes, but I'm not an authority. I'm not the I am not your authority. Well, many of the preachers in these denominational churches put themselves up as the man of God. Mm-hmm. Spirit talked to me, didn't talk to you. Talk to me. So you can't question what I say, you can't question what I do, you can't question my request for more money because I'm the man of God. I got the money or I got the spirit and you didn't. And I talked to God. He talked to me. He talked to me, he didn't talk to you, and he's not going to talk to you. Yeah. Even if you think he's talking to you, he's not going to talk to you, he's going to talk to me. So so Eventually, maybe some people can see through that. So we come along with a message that says, look, I have a Bible. Do you have a Bible? No. Okay, well, we're going to make sure that you have a Bible. If you want to study the Bible, we'll make sure you have one. And then when we, we're going to go together and we're going to see what does God say to all of us in, in the Word, which is the Bible. He's going to say the same thing to me as he'll say to you. We're all going to be judged by the same standard. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's an integrity there. There's a credibility there that doesn't come from me necessarily, but it comes from we're all going to go back to what God has said. We're all going to submit to God, and we're going to do it together. We're all going to be accountable to the same standard. You know what? And that message, that message, which we all here believe, still resonates today, no matter where you are, if you can, if somebody will listen to it. Right. That's really that's really impressive that uh, they can see the, the genuineness of this versus the charlatry of the false teaching that they had experienced in the past. What's, what's puzzling to me, you know, they're giving they're giving 10% every month of their income. They, they were taught that they had to give a tithe, which, of course, is completely false because we don't follow the law of Moses. We talk about that a lot. Um, they see that. They see that I can't tell them how much money to give, and I'm not going to. But they've gone to churches that have done that, and yet they can't even get a Bible out of the deal. Yeah. Can't even get a Bible. Yeah. Many of these people have never owned a Bible, and yet they've gone to church their whole life. And I said, what are they doing with your money? Well, you can see it when you see the Mercedes going by. There it is. There's their money. The preacher's driving a Mercedes. He's got a Mercedes. Most of them do. They have a Mercedes, usually a Mercedes, maybe a Land Rover sometimes. And, um, you know, of course, he's always dressed in a sharp suit. And yet they're they're suffering. They can't pay their electricity. They can't buy bread. They, they They can't get a Bible. Or they haven't been encouraged to buy a Bible. Didn't need it. I've got the man of God. I can listen to him. Yeah. You see? Yeah. That tells you something. Now, just, just uh, I think probably some of our listeners would have a, a curiosity about the language. Are you able to, to teach and preach in English in all of these places? Uh, I'm sure they have a second. Uh, English is probably a second language to most of them. Yeah, English is a second language. It's the medium of instruction in the schools, but that doesn't mean a whole lot because uh, they're, they're still going to speak it at home. Um, so they speak we, – we work with a group of people called the Venda, and they speak a language called Venda. It's an African language. Do you speak Venda now? I, I, I speak enough Venda I can teach in Venda if I have to. I use an interpreter full-time. There's a, there's a young man. His name is Magia Bandela for all of our maybe international listeners. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we worked closely together. But he's not only useful as an interpreter, but he's also useful as a preacher and a teacher. So he's doing the preaching and teaching where we usually are while we're here. Yeah. So uh, we're very thankful for him and for his work. And he, he interprets for me every Sunday and at, and throughout the week when we go out and do house-to-house teaching. So uh, I very much have appreciated him. 
there, there came one, one day, I, right before we came here, I was teaching a class on the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't usually interpret it for me as somebody else does, but uh, he wasn't able to come, and I didn't know that, so we had the class, and I said, well, we're gonna, I'm going to have to teach him Venda today. I said, Dido, Dido funza kachi Venda namusi. We're going to try hard. I said, I said, I'm going to teach him Venda today. We're going to try hard. Yeah. And, of course, the great thing is, of course, the Bible will give you the words that you that you need if you're teaching from the Scriptures. Right. So I'll, I'll, let me just say that probably biblical Venda is a little bit easier than uh, normal Venda, uh, you know, because I have a I have a dictionary here with me. Yeah. And then I can. So you stayed in the text a lot that day. I we, guess. we were in the text a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had a lesson that had already been prepared and it had already been translated into Venda. So oh, we, yeah. we used that. Yeah. And, and there was a man there who knew enough English to be able to uh, assist oh, me. Yeah. All right. so, anyway. we, uh, we need to take a break. And uh, while we're at, taking a break, uh, you can send in your thoughts. Uh, join in the chat room if you've got any questions for James tonight. Anthony's behind the board. We haven't even introduced you yet, James. But, uh, or Anthony. Anthony. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> That's uh, all right. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts as well, Anthony, on the program. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll continue with James Buchanan on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. Today will never come again. Be a blessing to others. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. A window of opportunity won't open itself. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight talking with James Buchanan about uh, foreign evangelism. James is back for a visit from South Africa I've been there and for James, I years. think you, when you left here, you told us uh, probably never come back, at least to, to live in the United States. Is this still your plan to spend the rest of your life working in South Africa? Well, I know at this point our visa is going to expire in July. We're going to renew our visa for, for another three years. And during that time, we'll decide uh, what, what our future plans yeah. now, are. Now, when you, when you moved, I mean, everyone was uh, amazed that you would undertake that challenge with four children. Under the age of what six or seven at the time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's see. Rosie would have been. Uh, we'll see. That would have been three years ago. So Rosie was um, seven. Seven. So three, four kids under seven. How are the kids adjusting to uh, the change? Well, uh, they've done. They've done pretty well. They they consider South Africa more home than the United States at this point. Especially our youngest, Henry, who's uh, six. So he's been there half his life. And to to them, it's home. They uh, they like it. Um, the biggest uh, challenge is two things. Is of course one is uh, uh, making sure that we have uh, good friends for the children. That's that's one of the things that's difficult. Uh, we do find that uh, um, among the the people that we're with, uh, many of them do not spend a lot of effort in raising their children, even among Christian families. So they're not spending time teaching their children or disciplining them. What's take on what's their focus? Well, the, 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 this is just that the children are just allowed to just go. Just wander around, and there's not much proactive teaching of the children. Okay. So that's a, so that pre- creates a challenge in finding good friends for the children. Um, the other thing is also just long term looking at the ed- education situation. So we homeschool our two oldest, and then our two youngest go to a local private school. Um, now the the local private school they're, they're not really up to our standards for education, so we supplement that at home. Uh, the South Africa has the, almost the worst education system in the world. So it's it's kind of tough, but we we put a lot of effort into trying to teach them. I say we mostly Debbie uh, does the does the homeschooling. Okay, this was along the lines of a question that came in from our friend Chris in Atlanta. He asked, "What were the most challenging things you've had to overcome in the culture, day to day living, and so forth?" And so, uh, 
just just kind of having a, uh, the the right kind of environment for your family has been a, required a lot of attention. Yeah, I think so. That's been part of it. And um, as far as cultural things, um, I, I can't. I don't know. I can identify a lot, but there are some things that we take for granted uh, here in the United States, especially the pervasiveness of basic things like uh, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, or loving one's neighbor as oneself. I find I find that those things are missing in the culture of the of the people that we work with the Benda people it's a lot of there's a lot of uh, self uh, self survival and I, that may and that may be uh that may be third world survival you yeah. know but anyway there's there's a lot of that sort of a lack of i guess what we would call altruism you know altruism yeah. would be the idea of doing good just because it that's, is a good thing to do no that's right you're not going to find somebody to to do something good for you without expecting something in return so there came a day i ran out of gas in the car. Now I won't go into the specifics of that, but of why you ran out of gas. No, but but anybody that, kn- that knows me knows my relationship with me and my car. And, uh, that, that hasn't changed a lot. Anyway, I ran out of gas, and I was uh, probably about five miles from the nearest gas station. So I started to walk. It was about 95 degrees outside. So somebody stopped to offer me a lift, a ride, which was fine. I was happy for that. But then he said, "Well, it's going to cost you 10 rand, and which is about the equivalent of a dollar, which is fine, except I didn't have any money." I didn't have any cash. <clears throat> so I told him, I said, I don't have any money. I said, I don't have any money. So anyway, so he said, what's in Timber? I said, well, that's okay. I'll just walk. So I just kept walking. And then he offered to give me a ride for free. <laughs> but I, I didn't accept it. I didn't want a ride from him. I'd rather, I told him, I said, I'd rather walk. Yeah. If you want to be greedy like that, I'll just walk. It's fine. Yeah. I need the exercise anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so you find that. And that shows up in many little, many small ways. You find that you find that lack of, as you said, altruism showing up, and and that's been hard. That's been hard, a little bit hard to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and it just uh, I don't know if I can identify all the ways that it shows up, but it uh, do you think it, that, does bother you? Do you think that that reflects just that in itself reflects the fact that in that culture and a lot of foreign cultures, people are not brought up with a spiritual outlook on things at all it's a completely carnal approach to life oh sure what's in it for me today right now well remember what i said about the prosperity gospel a moment ago now remember it takes two to tango right so the only reason prosperity gospel preachers succeed is because they find a willing audience and people who hope to get something in return for their religion so Mm -hmm. you know we're accused of teaching salvation by works but that's actually what these folks do teach is that you know the more money that you give to god you're going to buy god's favor Mm -hmm. well now now think about that if that's how they're approaching that's their outlook on life in general right so yeah so that's why they go to church why do you go to church you go to church to get something that's why that's why i go that's why you why do you go to a prosperity gospel church why do you go to a church that's going to give you miracles healing Supposedly, the power to speak in tongues, the, the and the more money you put in the collection plate, the more money you get for yourself. All of this is selfishness. All of this is uh, this is all about me. You see, this is all about mm-hmm. what can I get for myself. Now, if that if that is what they've been taught as the gospel, which is, of course that's not the gospel, but if that's what they've been taught as the gospel, then certainly that is going to show up in one's day to day life. You're not going to see altruism. You're not going to see, you know, I'm going to do for my neighbor just because they have they have a, a need. I, I, I talk about this sometimes. I say, well, you know, it, it's sad that you see a, a young man of 20 years old sitting and not doing anything when you see an 85-year-old woman out there plowing her field by hand. The 20-year-old should help the 85-year-old do that. Of course, that may be why she's 85. She's getting that good exercise. But, <laughs> but anyway, so just just trying to help people see hey there are many ways that we can show that we love one another as ourselves and and uh, i mean it it just it, it takes a long it'll just take a That's, long time that you're you're really working to supplant a a basic way of thinking that has existed their whole lifetime, and 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 so that's a big job, and it, it's yeah. it, it's always hard to change ourselves, and and you're asking them to look at things in a in a completely different perspective. It would be a tough challenge, I'm sure. If you've got questions for James, send them in the chat room. Now I'd like to hear your thoughts. That that's been well, that's been a challenge. Uh, there, there's something else. Uh, just just going back into the challenge area, uh, we do find a lot of a lot of drunkenness, a lot a lot of alcoholism, and uh, I've, I've I, I've, I found myself uh, sort of feeling a bit flat-footed on how to address it, both from the scriptures and how to address it in one's life. You know, we sort of got caught flat-footed not too long ago because we have always just taken it as a, a as a, a given that 
Christians aren't going to be interested in consuming alcohol. And that Christians would would defend the notion of abstinence. And But increasingly, sadly, we're coming in contact with folks who don't think there's anything wrong with it. James, you got caught flat-footed when you got to South Africa. You're the, preaching against it, I guess, there, on a There is no basis. compromise in this area. Okay. I'm sorry. There is no room for compromise. Right. The scriptures call it foolish. There is never an example in the Bible in which we will find that it is recommended. We will not find an example except somebody says, well, give the person wine or whatever. But I, I'm not sure that that's being taken in context. Um, it, you look at the examples in which people got drunk. You look at Noah. You look, look at uh, you know Nabob or, you know, and all of these examples – and nothing good ever came of it. And Belteshazzar, you know, the, the king that got drunk, and then he took the holy things from the temple, and then he lost his kingdom. And, I mean, the list goes on. And when you t- and you t- uh, it, uh, I'm kind of interested to know, James, when you teach that, when you teach against any use of alcohol, total abstinence, uh, do you meet with resistance? Or, uh? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we have this uh, idea – here that, okay, people are just taking a little bit, but they're not really getting drunk. Well, that's not what's happening anyway where we, te- where we teach. I mean, they're going from zero to 60 anyway. I mean, they're going they're going straight to drunk anyway. So they're not going to stop at just being a little bit or just having one drink. So you don't deal with the argument where the Bible just says don't get drunk. doesn't come up much anyway. All right. Um, so, but it does come up, and I have dealt. I do deal. I have how, dealt how do you answer? It. How do you answer that question? But the Bible just condemns drunkenness. It doesn't condemn uh, moderate uh, consuming alcohol in moderation. Well, again, uh, the Bible calls it foolishness. It says drinking the wine that's sparkling in the cup. That's something that a fool does. Uh, do not be foolish, but but be wise. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you, there's no room for the Spirit of God and alcohol in in the life of a Christian. Um, you know, if the Spirit of God is dwelling with a Christian, there's no room for these things. But again, they they accept they're they're pretty open to accept that teaching, or yeah. they resist. No, the, they they're they're willing to accept it. Yeah. Uh, but it's but I will tell you that that with anything, change takes time, and so it does require a great deal of patience and and persistence. So uh, let me give you an example. So at New Year's Eve, we had uh, we had seven people, seven Christians, who ended up over at the bottle store, which is where you buy it and consume it. So the, so some of these were younger men, some of them. And uh, so, so I, I so talked. There's seven members of the church where you are. That, that's right. So okay. I talked to each one of them, and I found out. I said, well, why, "Why were you there?" And one was just there with his family, and he wasn't even drinking alcohol. So, well, what would I say? Well, it's just that uh, that's not that's not so good for your example. But uh, he wasn't, and and two were. So two were, and they, you know, one didn't know. He was a new convert. We hadn't gotten to it yet. So mm-hmm. what do we do? Well, we talked about it. I showed him from the scriptures, and he repented. As far as I know, he hasn't gone back to it since. The other one, um, he 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 uh, admitted, he and he's struggling with it. The struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, you know, Christians struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the scriptures are very clear that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But then it goes on to say that if we confess our sins, that's part of walking in the light. Mm-hmm. You know, we walk in the light. We're doing what's right most of the time, and then we sin. So that's an exception to the way we usually live, and then and then we realize that I wasn't supposed to do that, and we, we change our mind about this, change our actions, ask God for forgiveness, right. and God will forgive us. And that's a process. That that That's just something we just have to keep working on. Right. Now, whether a person is a gossip or whether a person is a drunkard or, or is drinking a little bit, they're, they're, these are the same thing. I mean, we, we've had just as much trouble with gossip as we have had with drunkenness, and we treat them both as the same. What kind of effects do you see of alcohol in uh, among the society there? Yeah, so it, it destroy it's destroying families. Uh, I mean, you know, people are just staying at home. They're drinking beer. People are aging sooner than they should be. I know one lady. I know two ladies. They're both the same age. They're both about 60, 62 years old, 63 years old. One looks like she's 80. One looks like that she's about 60 years old. Yeah. I know another lady. I don't know how old she is, but they they they've told me she she. She's not as old as she looks, but she looks that old because she's been drinking beer all those years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, I don't think I've ever told this story on the virtual Bible study, but in some of my travels in Russia, uh, uh, very common to see drunks in the subways in Moscow, for instance, and they're just passed out. Uh, it sounds pretty disgusting, but you see, you see these men, many of them are amputees, and 
they'll, they'll be passed out. Of course, they're there begging. They'll be passed out and laying in a pool of their own urine. And I remember asking one of the Russians, uh, are these men, uh, have they come back injured from the war? And they said, no, uh, they're drunks. And they lay out in the Russian winter and their extremities freeze and have to be cut off. And I've thought so many times, I wish that some of our own brethren who would argue in defense of alcohol would stand beside that fellow laying there passed out in his own urine. Stand there. And give your defense of alcohol. Yeah. Tell him it's okay that he can have a little bit. Yeah. 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 They don't know what they're talking about. They've never seen a drunk. They've never driven down the side of a, they've never driven down a road and found one of their brethren standing at the side of the road drunk about to step in front of a car, which is exactly what would happen to me. Now, if they, maybe if they saw that, that they could actually see the effects of this thing that they're so willing to defend. Yeah. You know, they got too much time on their hands. Let's find something new, just like the Athenians. We got to find something new. Well, you know, they need to wake up. I'm I sorry. Had, I actually had that experience here in our community of Columbia of actually literally going and lifting a brother out of a ditch, drunk, laying in the side of the road. So it's, it, it happens everywhere, and alcohol is a, is a devastating and, and what is the What is the goal? I mean, what, what, what are you after when you go after that, that, that drink? What what are you what are you trying to what are you trying to achieve with that? How are you intending to glorify God with that uh, consumption well, of alcohol? Whether or not, and, and oftentimes it's an escape for many people. Right. Uh, it's an escape. Uh, this this one brother that I found, he'd been drinking for sixty years. He had been a Christian all this time, but he'd I'd always had this problem. So anyway, he'd always tried to hide it, but there there he was. I mean, he couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah. So we have regular Bible study. We have Bible study every week, and then uh, he goes to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, I would recommend if a person is struggling with drinking alcohol, go to AA. I, I don't know how much you've ever looked into AA, but I've been to meetings it's with worth some it. others before. Yeah, it's worth the time. Yeah, it's worth it, and it's worth it for people who do not drink. You'll see it. When I first time I went, I, did, I, I mean, I don't drink, but I went there, and, and I'll tell you what I found. As I found people, I found some of the most honest people I have ever met in my entire life who were willing to admit that it was their problem. And that they wanted to overcome it. And isn't that, isn't that what being a Christian is about? Is that we want to leave our sins. We want to do what's right. Right. It's it interesting. It's interesting incredible. that as as much as we got to take a break here, but as much different as our societies and cultures are between the United States and South Africa, there's your there's your pervasive problem. It's yeah. a common a common thing. And that's not true just with uh, and you won't find that just with the just the Native Africans, but also the the Afrikaners who are the descendants of the of the Dutch colonists from the days past. I mean, they have the same they have the same problem with alcohol. Right. It's it's everywhere. All right, guest 489 in the chat room says, "I'm encouraged that you, James, are so passionate about saving people from strong drink." And uh, and I appreciate that as well. And I, I sort of sense the soapbox there. Yeah, that, I think we struck we a nerve there with James. James wound yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, it gets me. You know how I am, uh, James. <laughs> no, but I do appreciate you taking that stand, James, and uh, and and helping to save people from that. We need to take another make another break, and when we get back, we'll take your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Solomon wrote, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That's in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. Many need to work harder at applying the instruction in this important verse. There are really two warnings here. One caution concerns words that are hastily spoken. Quote, do not be rash with your mouth. How often have we uttered words without giving careful thought? The results can be hurt feelings, damaged relationships, even sin. James said, quote, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. So remember that a word spoken can never be unspoken. It's an irreversible action and we may have to live with the reaction. The other warning contained in this statement from wise Solomon is a warning about simply talking too much. Quote, let your words be few, he says. What a temptation it is to tell everything we know about every subject under the sun. When we do so, we cause others to tune us out, even during the rare occasions when we really do have something important to say. Someone has suggested that God gave us two ears and just one mouth. Therefore, we ought to listen twice as much as we talk. Think about that. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 goes on to explain why we must be so cautious with our speech. Quote, God is in heaven and you on earth. Never forget that you have an almighty creator who is listening to your every word. Be careful. 
That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you'll also want to check out those lessons by Donnie Rader on the homepage right next to the Bible icon. Click or picture. Click it there. Find that there. You can also find it in our podcast, uh, our sermon podcast. Check, check the sermon podcast feed for those lessons. If you're not signed up for that, sign up. Find out more information. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com. We're ble- uh, privileged today and blessed to have James Buchanan with us from South Africa. Talking about uh, evangelism in South Africa. James, uh, it's a little bit off off topic, but how's the food there? Oh, it's uh, it's fine. You can you can get most have, of the I, things I, I mean, get here. Have you had anything that you just couldn't get down? So... I I'll I, I, be careful. We're running out of time, but yeah. I would tell you, tell you a quick story. So uh, when when they really want to feed a lot of people, they take the the fre- they take the stomach of a freshly killed cow, and they 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 cook that, and that feeds a lot of people. <laughs> now that's called tripe. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of tripe. I, now I've here, heard. you know, it's similar to chitlins. I think I don't know. How many it, stomachs does a cow have? I guess seven. I think seven. So seven? that's how you can feed so many. There's seven. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. But yeah. it's cheap too. So so anyway, this sister says to me one day this. Uh, She's an African lady, a Venda lady. She says to me, uh, you will never eat that. You, will not, you won't eat it. I know you won't. I told her. I looked at her and I said, I will eat it, and I'll eat it in front of you just to prove you wrong. <laughs> and you know what I did? I took that piece of tripe and I shoved it in my mouth and I chewed it up and I swallowed it, and I almost threw up. <laughs> but other than that, everything else is good. We have, we have good food. Okay. Good. Well, um, we have a uh, – well, I, I want to ask you, James, before we get further into this, kind of explain the geography of South Africa, where you're located, and what's the situation of churches in your vicinity, and and where are you working, and with what groups, and so forth. Okay, so so uh, of course, Af- South Africa is is a is a country all the way down at the bottom of Africa, which is a huge huge continent. It can hold the entire landmass of the United States, China, India. Bangladesh, Vietnam, and a few, and a Europe. You've got to be kidding me! Mm, no, no. I did. I, did you know that? Oh yeah. You knew it was that big. I didn't yeah. realize it was that big. It's huge. So sometimes I get an email. I got an email from a guy one day. He said, "Could you swing by Ghana and go see this guy?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, it's not exactly on the way to the Seven Eleven or something. It's uh, six thousand miles." I said, uh, "You know, I, either I could go or you could go." Because it's the same difference. No, he didn't mean anything. But I mean, it pro- it, actually, there's less jet lag if I go. But anyway, uh, it, it, it's pretty big. Uh, and we were really far from Ebola, if you're wondering, for about four thousand miles. Oh yeah, you're you're on the, the you're, yeah you're almost on the other end. Of you, you were closer to it than yeah, I was because yeah. you had it in Dallas. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we we work in uh, northern uh, Limpopo. We have nine provinces, and the the northernmost province is Limpopo. We work in northern Limpopo. Uh, Limpopo is pretty big, mm-hmm. but we're just we're concentrating most of our work among the Venda-speaking people in northern Limpopo. And uh, there are about 25 churches in our general vicinity. <coughs> it's about a 50 mile, 50 mile, uh, 50 miles from east to west, and probably about 40 miles north to south. And there are about 25 churches in that area. How so, long are those? Now you say 25 churches. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that that number. How, how long have those churches been there? Some of them been there for about 50 or 60 years. So what happened is during the apartheid era. The, the country was divided up, you know, between the, the black Africans and the white uh, Afrikaners and English who ruled the country. So they, they had these homelands where this is where the Africans live. But many of them traveled to Johannesburg to work. When Johannesburg is about four hours south of where we live. So, so some of them that were traveling down there heard the, heard the truth from men like Gene Tope, who now preaches uh, in this country in Virginia, and uh, Paul Williams, who's been there since 1968, and he's in the southeastern part of the country, uh, about an hour from Durban in a small town called Ashawi, and Ray, a man named Ray Votal, who preached there until, I think, the mid to late 80s, and then he moved back to the States, and he died in 2012. And there, and there were other men also working in that area. So they heard the gospel while they were working in Johannesburg. Well, when they had their breaks from work, they would go up to their home in Venda, and they were teaching the truth. And so they, they just started teaching, and they just started teaching, and they started teaching. And So uh, that's where a lot of those congregations began in that fashion. They yeah. they had heard the truth in, in the South, and they brought it home. Carried yep. the seed home with them. That's right. Yeah. So, so the, in fact, not, none of the congregations in that area, uh, that none of the churches of Christ in that area have been started with a direct 
with the direct work of Americans aside from learning the truth in Johannesburg. So they went home. They really? taught. They went home. They taught people, and then those people organized churches. Yeah. And um, uh, the the only church is the church that we're working with now that where there's been uh, heavy American involvement at the beginning. Now, many men like uh, Gene Tope and, and Ray Vota and Paul Williams and others, they would tra- they would travel up to Venda and they would do a lot of teaching. They did, and Les Maydell and others have done a tremendous amount of teaching in Venda as a, as a guest. But as far as uh, a lot of the teaching, uh, the, the 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 early Venda men who learned the gospel. They, they they were spreading that word. Are you That's the first American that has been located in that area? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, okay. no, no. David Beckley uh, got there, I think, in 1976, and he was there until 91 initially. Okay. Then they left for a few years and came back in 2002, and David and Joanne are still in the okay. same – they live in the same town we live in. Uh, Ron Chaffin was there from the early 70s. Uh, I'm not sure – there was a gap in there somewhere. I yeah, I'm not sure what years he was there, but he left in 2012, he and his wife, just before we arrived. And now there's 25 churches. You, the congregation you work with is in the neighborhood of 40 members. Right. Uh, right. And this, is that the typical size of these 25 churches? They, they vary in size. Uh, you'll find some that have maybe 20 or 25, some that have 30, uh, some that uh, there's there's one or two that have about uh, maybe 80 or 90 okay. members. Uh, so it, they just but now those most of those congregations then because there's you and David Beckley working in this particular region now, and obviously you're not able to go to each one of those churches well, and, be, and do teaching. Well, there's also Prince Rama Ira, who is a who is a who's a local. He's a, he's a Venda preacher. He's 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 from there, and he and he preaches in Venda. And uh, uh, I would be very negligent to to ignore. Him in this because well that but my point is, is that they're not there these yeah. churches are not sustained because there's an American at every one of them no that's right they're not yeah we what we do I mean we do what good we can with those churches that want help so that's what David does that's what I do if they if they want if they want help if they want somebody to come and teach a Bible study if we have the time to do so we'll do it uh, I, I go to uh, I go to two churches about uh, a week. And I teach one uh, every Monday afternoon, and I teach another uh, on Saturday afternoon, and I teach a regular Bible study, and that's at their request. We, right. We're not going to go uninvited. Um, so there's a very much an equivalence there. But you're not the American bishop overseeing no. this region of South Africa, w- no. which is an important thing that we yeah. got. These are independent, autonomous local congregations. And and yep. if you go, you go at their request. Right. You're not dictating policy to them. No, that's right. Uh, they they ask for advice sometimes. That's fine, you know. But I mean, they have the word of God to, to help guide them. And where uh, where do they stand on on doctrinal purity? I mean, are are they sound where they need to be on on most every uh, subject, or do you see some areas where they need to be some more teaching? We we occasionally we'll see we'll see uh, a situation in which there might be some drifting. Sometimes there's a drifting toward centralization, such as like maybe trying to form a committee to oversee a particular work. So uh, when those situations come up, we, we usually are able to perhaps have a Bible study with the, some of those involved. Uh, there have been one or two cases of tolerate, tolerating fornication and tolerating polygamy. Uh, there have been some cases of that. Uh, church discipline has been rather weak in, in many of these congregations. Uh, so those are all teaching opportunities. Uh, but, they're, but the people are often very open open to listening. Um, those probably be, be the two biggest things. Um, where we are, which is in a place called Masia, which is about 35 miles from where we live, and it's in the town of Louis Chakart, uh, that it's sort of a different start for us. So there was a man uh, that was in the local prison, and he became a Christian while in prison. I don't remember who taught him, uh, but he, when he was getting ready to get out of prison, we looked at the churches that were in his area. And of course, there were no churches uh, that we could recommend because they were all teaching this false doctrine of prosperity gospel and false doctrine on spiritual gifts and the plan of salvation, and, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, we told him, well, we'll worship with you at your home. So uh, my wife uh, and myself and our kids, we all went out there the first Sunday morning. He was out, and he invited his mother and his uh, sister to come. Now, his sister was just staying with him temporarily, so she's not with us anymore. But the next Sunday, he had invited two of his neighbors. The Sunday after that, there was a Christian who lived in that village, and she found out we were there, so she started attending with us. And at the end of March, we baptized our first five people. 
for the, for the remission. Five people sentence. at the end of March. Yeah. So how long? Of 2013. That was 2013. That was 2013. Yeah. So how long did that? How long did it take before you are seeing that kind of growth in that small little planted congregation? So so then. Uh, I, I, what we've done is, we, of course, we've continued to have people come on Sundays, but especially we, in July of 2013, we started doing more serious house-to-house teaching. So we, we, we basically said, okay, we're going to be here on Tuesday, and, and uh, if you want us to teach you or teach somebody else, because we were very interested not only in just teach, baptizing some people, but we wanted to help them grow. They were going to need more than just what we could offer them on Sundays, and we were doing a Thursday afternoon Bible study at the time. So... I say, okay, I'm going to be here on Tuesday. You want to talk about something? We can talk about it. So the first Tuesday that Magia and I went, Magia is with me all the time as my interpreter, and he also is doing the preaching and teaching there while I'm gone. They, they had a full schedule. They say, okay, we're going to go over here, then we're going to go over here, and then we're going to talk to this person. Oh, okay, that's great. So, so this has been, this has been, it's been like that for two years. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> continually. So I said, we need to go talk to this person today. And we need to go talk to this person. And so all of this has resulted in a, in a lot of growth. We've, we've baptized about 45 Don't people. you think that's what we need everywhere is somebody like this man that you said got out of prison yeah. and he invited his family yeah. and he invited his neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if we would do more of that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we, I mean, and what an unlikely person to, to help start a church, an, an ex-convict, oh. uh, you know, I mean, the, the power of the gospel. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, and and uh, they know it's not about him. Right. They know it's about. They really know it's about the truth, and and I think that's that's an important point, though, is that you have one person inviting another, inviting another. I mean, that you know, as a preacher, you know how it is that sometimes you get praised when something happens, and they say, "Oh, wow, you're doing such a good job," or whatever. And and it, it would really be dishonest to say, "Okay, well, I, look what I did." That's not true. I mean, we have God's word. We have people who want the truth. You put those things together. You can do something. All right. Let's get our last break. During this break, we've got to get our thoughts together because we're going to have to hit James with some fast, rapid-fire questions. We'll look forward to your thoughts as well if you've got any in the chat room. But don't go anywhere. We'll go continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Since marijuana was legalized in Colorado, 87% of all sales have gone to heavy users. Those are people who get high more than 20 times per month. More than half of all alcohol sales in the United States are made to problem drinkers. Those are people who drink 10 or more drinks per day. That information is via the week. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program, you talk, you're talking about drunkenness and uh, marijuana is gaining traction in the United States since you've been gone, James. You know, I think marijuana and alcohol stand or fall together. Yeah, it, 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 we see some of that too. I mean, it's easy to grow. Yeah. Well, if you, we don't have time to get to that, but I want to say any argument you can make for the moderate social drinking, you can make for moderate oh, marijuana. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, they yeah, stand or fall together, yeah, and yeah. so you, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna accept alcohol, you need to be ready to accept the pot and everything else. They yeah. stand or fall together. Okay, we don't have time. To, don't get on that soapbox. Okay, we're back. Uh, we're real back. quickly, we got uh, another part of a question from our friend Chris in Atlanta. Ask, I'm uh, just to sort of summarize his questions. 
He, he talked about a friend of his who does foreign evangelism, and he has some pet peeves in regards to other foreign evangelists and his relationship with them, some of the things they do and say. Uh, but you suggested to us privately earlier that the guy you work with closely, I guess, David Beckley, you and he work famously together. Yeah, we're both foreigners, and uh, we're both Americans, and uh, uh, we work fine together. We don't have any problem. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons is neither of us really think that we know it all, and uh, that that's probably important. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, we've always worked well together. Uh, if, if there's something that he knows more about, then I'm going to defer to what he says. And also as an older man, he's almost 70 years old, I'm going to listen to him because I'm only 36, and he's wise, and he's he's gained a lot of experience being there. So, How long has he been there? Well, he's been there since 2002, this time around, and then he was there from 76 to 91. So he has a lot of experience. So he knows a lot, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and if there's some, some work he's been involved with before, then, you know, I'm going to defer to him. We we work together just fine. Uh, there's no jealousy between us. There's no competition between us. And that's we, a key there, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's not, a, it's, it's not like who's going to get – the credit or who's no. who's in first place. I won this one. You lost. Yeah. It's not a competition. What difference does it make? When I die, they're going to forget about me anyway. Right. Or okay. eventually. But now, one other thing about about that is that we also do not work. To, we don't work together as much as I would like because time doesn't allow it. So he's working with maybe with one group. I'm working with another. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's just. I mean, yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. Okay. Right. Now. Next question. Um, your your timer uh, is running I, here. I, and you and I both may get on a soapbox about this, James, because you said you have a strong opinion. I also have a strong opinion about um, Americans flooding American dollars to foreign preachers. Uh, obviously, you get support from American churches to do the work that you're doing, and and we're glad that that's the case. But there's been a tendency to try and raise a lot of money from Americans to support foreigners preaching in their own countries and i don't know so much about the situation in south africa but in some places it has become a big problem and a corrupting influence because these preachers are getting way too much money to live by their standards and it, it becomes a, a thing that corrupts their motives i, I yes uh, that, that that can that can be the problem uh the other, the other thing though and the, probably what i'm more concerned about is that churches are being relieved churches uh, in, in places like South Africa, then do not feel like that they have a responsibility in this area. To support their own preaching. Right. So so that's I think that's what bothers me more than the other. Uh, I, I don't know that I can say I've seen that in South Africa. In fact, uh, there's only 20 full-time preachers, maybe 30 in the entire country anyway. Uh, so um, which, which may, get, may you, know, you wonder, why, why do we need an American to go to South Africa? Well, I mean, you can go to a church like College View and you can find 20 people who can teach the gospel. Maybe. I, I don't know. But okay, maybe 15. I don't know how many you got here. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, right. I mean, I went to a church of 30 people, and five people could teach. Yeah. Every, bit, every, every bit as well. So that's why we need more people in South Africa to do it. But um, the thing I, I would say well, is – Okay. We'll sound the buzzer on you. We're just about out of time. Okay. You just segue to another, <clears throat> another question I want to ask. I don't know. You know, someone says, I don't know. Why send our money to – South Africa. We got a lot of lost people right here in America. Well, let's evangelize America. You know, we, we, we got more work than we can possibly accomplish. Uh, let's just work. Let's work at home. Let, let's do it. But uh, again, you're going to find in a typical congregation, you're going to find uh, m- many people who are capable of doing that. Now they may be doing that already. I don't know. But uh, it, just based on what I've seen, you know, usually 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. So oftentimes it, that's not that's not being done. Or people are not do not necessarily develop themselves to do that. Well, in South Africa, we talked about 25 congregations. They all need preaching every Sunday. How do we accomplish that? Well, there are three of us who are full-time preachers in that particular area that we live in, and the other congregations uh, have men who do the, the preaching every Sunday. The the, the 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 quality maybe varies a little bit. So we do try. To, of course, we try to help. We try to help them with special classes and such to up their game on that. But don't you think that the, that Anybody says we got enough people to preach to here at home. I think my my comeback to that was, well, do it, do yeah, it. Fine, I but mean, you know, how could you condemn preaching anywhere? Yeah. And if there's good opportunity, and you've expressed a, a, a very genuine good opportunity in South Africa where you yeah. are, why would we overlook that either? I mean, I, I just think that's I've heard that through the years. Well, we don't need to be supporting foreign evangelism. We got plenty of lost people right here at home. 
Well, let's but, teach them all. But see, let's from the very beginning of the church, they have been supporting foreign evangelism. I mean, right. yeah. you know, Barnabas and Barnabas was sent from the church at Jerusalem. Do you think they left him without any money to travel? I don't know. But, I mean, the church at Antioch sent Barnabas and Saul on their way. I don't know. Did they give them any money? You think there weren't still some lost people in Antioch right. that they could have right. been teaching? Yeah, exactly. They stayed there a whole year, mm-hmm. and, then, and then the Holy Spirit told them, you know, send, send these two men off. Yeah. So, and, anyway. Uh, um, okay, buzzer. Uh, okay. Things that you do there that you think we could be yeah. doing here. Yeah, what have you learned about that? That, uh, you know, lessons you've learned that we that you think we could apply here and maybe be more effective. Yeah, people are people, United yeah. States or South America. What have you learned about evangelism that would help us here in America? I think our biggest challenge is, and I think you would probably agree with me, is just find, you, you know, it's always finding an audience. How do, where do you find the people? Where do you find people that want to listen? How do you find the people to listen? Right. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, of course, I, I, really like our, I really like the tent meetings we do. We take our tent, we move it over to a place where the people there maybe haven't heard before. And, uh, you know, we do gospel meetings here in America, but we're, we, the people come to us for a gospel meeting. And maybe, we, I don't know if a tent meeting would be effective in the United States. You probably remember well, doing I, tent meetings. I have been to some tent meetings. Just a thought. Well, we're, we're kind of going back to that in uh, with what we refer to as our annual oh, community right. Bible study, yeah, uh, we, yeah. which we do at an off We sure. don't do it in a tent, but we do it in a, at a neutral site. And uh, so I think that that's probably more of that uh, is is in order. I think so. Yes. The key is, again, the key is uh, trying to help somebody see that they need to listen because we really do have a message that they need to hear. And that that's probably diff- going to be different any place that you go. So you have to be a little bit flexible and uh, find, find, find where, where are the people. Okay, and then, How do we find them? To and move? and house what about do's and don'ts of foreign evangelism? Well, Real quickly. I, don't, I think we have to be careful not to make assumptions about what people know. Uh, already, uh, you know, we, we've all had our Bible classes and such growing up. Don't don't make assumptions. You, know, I, you know, know, just along that line, you know, we when we teach here, we assume that our students already know certain basics. For instance, yeah. you know, I could I could teach something and say, you think that doesn't matter? Ask Nadab and Abihu about that and yeah. kind of chuckle. Well, I remember, and you can't do that. When, so when I started teaching at Masia, for example, uh, you know, I, I made sure that people had a Bible. Uh, then I'm telling people to turn to a passage. I don't know how. Oops. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so okay. those, don't those don't of, don't make right. assumptions about what they so know. So be ready to start with square one if you have to. Uh, you just have to, you have to be flexible, and, and sometimes being flexible means that you're going to have to change on the spot. So I would say that you have to be. You really have to make sure your bucket is always full. Make sure that you are ready. Uh, I like to carry around this bag, and this bag has it's got all kinds of stuff in it. You know, and little correspondence courses in the local language and things like that. Uh, and uh, uh, so you always have to be ready. Don't take anything for granted. Also, don't don't talk down to people, though. You know, just because they're not as educated as you are or, ju- or as you think you are or just because they, they don't know as much as you do, that doesn't mean they're any less a person. Uh, it's important that we always treat people with, uh, with dignity and with respect. Right. We've missed guest 1907's comments uh, for a long time here. Guest 1907 asked several questions. Just have time for one. What did you learn in Africa about yourself? Anything you learned about? I, I learned, I learned, I learned patience. I learned more patience. I learned more uh, understanding of people in, in their situations. Uh, I especially learned patience. Uh, there have been a few situations with the church at Masia that have made me. I'm a better. I'm better in some areas than I was than when I started. Okay. Yeah. It's been very, uh, very informative and yeah. very encouraging. Yeah, James, we admire you for what you're doing. Uh, we pray Godspeed uh, in all of your work and travels and. Uh, Stay in touch with us. We want to keep hearing about good things happening in South Africa. Thank you. Thank any you. Last, any last words of encouragement uh, for folks uh, in, in their evangelistic efforts? Just, just keep, 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 keep doing what you're doing. And, you, and, you know, be flexible. Use use whatever scriptural method that you can to try to get people to listen, okay. whatever, the, whatever that is. And, 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 don't, and you, know, be, you might even have to be creative, but use, use whatever method at, it is at your disposal, in every scriptural method at your disposal to try to get people to listen. That's what I can encourage you to do yeah. wherever you are. All right. Uh, Rick in the chat room says, keep up the good work, James, and may God bless you richly. And uh, we certainly would echo that. And uh, we've got to talk to James's wife about feeding us some spicy foods or something to keep him up at night so he can call in and yeah. join us from get, South get, Africa. Get him yeah. woke up in the middle yeah. of the night so he'll, so he'll join in the yeah. chat room yeah. or something. All right. James, thanks for taking your time to be here. Tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, Godspeed in your work. Uh, Thank you. Anthony, haven't talked to you all night.
Well, that's okay. I've been it's been a riveting program. I'm just sitting here taking it all in. It's been Thanks for your help, Anthony. Thank no you, Anthony. Problem. Thank you for your time, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans. We'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.